time keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Now, here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you on this Wednesday, December the 14th, 2022. On the memorial of St. John of the Cross, priest and doctor of the church, pray for us, praise be to God. Here's a question, is France lost? I mean, put a fork in them, they're done? I don't know, we're going to have a conversation today with Chris Tomlinson from Breitbart. He's got a few articles, actually, on bad things happening in France. You know, the eldest daughter of the church, we're going to catch up on those stories. Plus, we're going to talk about the story of the Ukrainian government suppressing the orthodox in ukraine we're going to get all of that with chris tomlinson at 35 past the hour do join us if you can another question is are we seeking the wrong savior this advent we are in anticipation but are we looking for the wrong thing are we putting our hope and trust in something and someone other than our lord and savior jesus christ we're going to uh share with you an article from sarah kane from crisis at 15 past the hour. And then here's another question for you. If you had to choose only seven books, right? Like, if you only seven books to rebuild Western civilization, what would you choose? Joseph Pierce has his list. I'm going to share that with you at the top of the next hour if you can join us. Hey, Transportation Secretary uh, Pete Buttigieg, ju- is it Judge? Or ju- Pete Buttigieg says, remarkable. Buttigieg. But but a judge is it butted butter? I have no idea. <laughs> Pete Buttigieg says remarkable number of congressional Republicans supported the Respect for Marriage Act. A remarkable number mm. of Republicans. So one more time, who are we putting our trust into here? Hey, the DOJ official, Associate Attorney General Vanita Gupta says, yeah, of course we're targeting pro-lifers. <laughs> Absolutely. And then the uh, Oregon governor, Kate Brown, a Democrat uh, who is apparently now uh, leaving office at the end of her term, has commuted all of the state's death penalty sentences there. Speaking of governors, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis seeks a grand jury to probe any wrongdoing related to COVID-19 vaccines. They are going to keep people accountable, apparently, in Florida. And according to internal emails obtained by the Washington Examiner, the Secret Service and the Immigration Customs Enforcement Agencies have secretly coordinated with the FBI to strip U.S. citizens of their rights to own guns and firearms. So nothing to see here. Keep moving. Journalists with Reuters this month have reported that the Nigerian government has been forcing thousands of rescued girls and women to abort their babies conceived in rape or forced marriages to Islamist militants. Good morning to you, Rudy Carlos. Good morning, Joe. I see you're uh, back to mm-hmm. your normal mm-hmm. uh, doom and gloom in what? the morning sorry, and then uh, translating over to you, me. But uh, I don't know what you uh, anyway. What do you, what do you mean? Here we are. Huh? Nothing but the good Wednesday, news. middle of the week. <laughs> We're almost to the weekend. Praise be to God. Uh, is it Buttigieg? Buttigieg. I have no idea. It's spelled I've heard it a bunch of different ways. Pretty sure it's Buttigieg. I don't know. I can't believe that guy got like such a government job. Or is it Butte? Like is Actually, it Butte, I Montana? I have it, no idea. I looked up the uh, mm-hmm. etymology or the uh, pronunciation guide, mm-hmm. and I'm, you know, why do they people put those on things? I don't know. And then not, you're never taught in school mm-hmm. how to use that. 
So <laughs> like, how to read the, yeah. how to read that that's not yeah. taught in school. Se- but somehow it seems more it complicated things. than right? actually. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm looking at this and trying to figure out how to pronounce his name correctly, and I'm like, still not quite getting it. But I think yeah. it's I think it's Buttigieg because it's J E J in the pronunciation guide. Mm-hmm. So Buttigieg. Buttigieg. I don't know. Buttigieg. I have no idea. Buttigieg. It's Buttigieg. But it's spelled B U T T. So Buttigieg is what I thought it was. Or is it Butte, Montana? Same thing, same spelling. Is that really? I'm pretty sure. I have no idea. I, don't, <laughs> I, have, no idea. I have no idea. <laughs> I have no clue. <laughs> no idea. <laughs> At any rate, uh, he is giving high praise to the, the Republicans for, you know, and yesterday they had a big party at the White House, uh, yeah. drag queen singing. And, I have an article about it here from Brian yeah. Birch over at Catholic Vote. Uh, you're going to yeah. be surprised by how many Catholics mm-hmm. voted for this. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> no, I'm not actually. Well, there you go. Republicans, surprised. not our friends. That's <laughs> just college you is. All right. So much to cover today. Let's pray. Let's get into it. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known, that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Now your headlines with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. Thanks for tuning in to Catholic Drive Time. Today is Wednesday, December the 14th, and here are your headlines this morning. Wow, we're so close to Christmas Day here. Ground News reports U.S. lawmakers unveil bipartisan bid to ban China's TikTok. Republican Senator Marco Rubio on Tuesday announced bipartisan legislation to ban China's popular social media app, TikTok, ratcheting up pressure on owner ByteDance Limited amid U.S. fears that the app could be used to spy on Americans and censure content. The Blaze reports Florida Governor Ron DeSantis seeks grand jury to probe any wrongdoing related to COVID-19 vaccines. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, a Republican who easily secured re-election last month, is petitioning the Sunshine State Supreme Court for an order to impanel a statewide grand jury to probe any wrongdoing pertaining to COVID-19 vaccines. He says, quote, the pharmaceutical industry has a notorious history of mishandling the public or misleading the public, rather, for financial gain. Questions have been raised regarding the veracity of the representations made by the pharmaceutical manufacturers of the COVID-19 vaccines, particularly with respect to transmission, prevention, efficacy and safety. An investigation is warranted to determine whether the pharmaceutical industry has engaged in fraudulent practices. The people of Florida deserve to know the truth, unquote, he says. Brian Birch from Catholic Vote says, Love loses. Biden signed the so-called Respect for Marriage Act. This marriage law was recently rushed through both House and Senate intentionally after the November elections, so that public accountability would be limited. The law did nothing to change same-sex so-called marriage in the United States. Instead, the new law allows LGBT activists to unleash a new round of legal attacks on faith-based organizations and conscientious citizens who would fast, who hold fast to the time-honored truth about marriage. First, don't forget who voted for this. Every Democrat in the Senate, along with 12 Republicans in the House and 89 Catholics, 74 Democrats and 15 Republicans, of which are Catholics, voted to redefine marriage and to expose our religious organizations to a flood of lawsuits. And the Epic Times reports, vote recount flips Massachusetts midterm race from Republican to Democrat by one vote. 
Prior to the recount, Mira, a five-term Republican, had led Kasner by 10 votes out of the 24,000-plus votes that were cast across the district, according to the original certified results from Election Day. And those are your headline news this morning. God love you. The saint of the day is St. Venantius Fortunatus. He was born around 530 and 540 AD at Duplavis near Treveso in Veneto, Italy. He grew up during the Roman reconquest of Italy sometime in the 550s and or 60s. He traveled to Ravenna to study. While there, he was given a classical education in the Roman style. His later work shows familiarity with not only classical Latin poets such as Virgil, Horace, Ovid, Statius, and Martial, but also Christian poets including Arator, Claudian, and Coelius Sedulius, and bears their influence. In addition, Fortunatus likely had some knowledge of the Greek language and the classical Greek writers and philosophers, as he makes reference to them in Greek words at times throughout his poetry and prose. He eventually moved to Metz in the spring of 566, probably with the specific intention of becoming a poet at the Muravatvengian court. It was there his successful career really began. To reach Metz, he took a winding route passing through four modern countries, Italy, Austria, Germany, and France. He himself explains two entirely different reasons for this route. Describing the first reason, he portrays himself in the guise of a wandering minstrel, his journey just one in a series of adventures. The second reason is more religious, explaining in his Vita St. Martini that he took this route to worship at the shrine of St. Martin in Tours, visiting other shrines as he went. Fortunatus' arrival in Mentz coincided with the marriage of King Siegbert and Queen Brunhild, at the, and at the ceremony, he performed a celebration poem for the entire court. He had made great friendships in Tours and Poitiers with Gregory of Tours, who was installed as Bishop of Tours in 573, from whom Fortunatus also received patronage. In 580, he wrote a poem defending Gregory against treasonous charges placed upon him at the Chelperec court. After the death of Siegbert and that of Chelperec, Fortunatus moved to Chelderet's court in Poitiers. He was Sigbert's son, and sometime around 576, he was ordained into the church. He stayed there until around the year 599 and 600, when he was appointed Bishop of Poitiers to replace Plato, Bishop of Poitiers. He died early in the 7th century, and he was regarded a saint after his death, but was never formally canonized. Saint Venantius Fortunatus, pray. For us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Luke chapter 7, verses 18b through 23. At that time, John summoned two of his disciples and sent them to the Lord to ask, Are you the one who is to come, or should we look for another? When the man came to the Lord, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you to ask, Are you the one, or should we look for another? At that time, Jesus cured many of their diseases, sufferings, and evil spirits. He also granted sight to many who were blind. And Jesus said to them in reply, Go, tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind regain their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have good news proclaimed to them, and blessed 
is the one who takes no offense at me. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. I covered this gospel actually a couple of weeks ago. I'm doing a series of uh, reflect, reflections on the Sunday Gospels for the Advent season on the 1962 Missal, and I found some very interesting things. St. Jerome said, Hence, he frames his question thus, Art thou he that is to come? Not, Art thou he that has come? And the sense is, says St. Jerome, direct me, since I am about to go down into the lower parts of the earth, whether I shall announce thee to the spirits beneath also, or whether thou, as the Son of God, may not taste death, but will send another to this sacrament. Close quote, St. Jerome. What is he talking about? That John knows he's going to die. And he is the forerunner. He's the guy who's supposed to make straight the path. So... Uh, Lord, am I supposed to go into the netherworld and make straight the path there too? Are you coming down there to come after me? Are you following me into the netherworld? Very fascinating thought by St. Jerome. St. Hilary says, uh, John then is provoking not for his own, but his disciples' ignorance, that they might know that it was no other whom he had proclaimed. He sent them to see his works, that the works might establish what John had spoken, and that they should not look for any other Christ than him to whom his works had borne testimony. Yeah, I've always thought this was for the benefit of his disciples, not for him. Clearly, he needs them to see the Messiah for themselves. Even St. Paul would have to rebaptize them and confirm them in the book of Acts. Cornelius Elapidae actually had some interesting things to say. He says, by a similar metaphor, we speak of the corn waving when impelled to and fro by the wind. Christ would remove any suspicion which might arise among the people from this message of John that he had changed his opinion concerning Christ. What, whereas he had formerly thought him to be the Messiah, he had now changed his opinion and had sent his disciples to interrogate him because he was in doubt about him? So Jesus, as it were, said, Suppose not, O ye Jews, that John thinks any other of me than he thought before. For John is not a reed to be shaken backwards and forwards by the wind, that he should lightly assert a thing and afterwards retract it on account of what men say. John is like an oak which stands unmoved in faith and steadfastness against every blast, whether of those who praise or those who blame. What he before testified of me when he was at liberty, he testifies with equal fortitude now that he has been shut up by Herod in prison, and he has sent his disciples to me that they themselves may see by my miracles that his testimony concerning me was true. Cornelius Alapidae. Hey, don't go anywhere. Coming up next, we're going to talk about a savior. Who are we seeking? All that and more is coming up next. Protestants like to use James 2, 10 through 11 against the Catholic doctrine of mortal and venial sin. Because James says, whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. But James can't be denying the doctrine of mortal and venial sin because in 1.15 he affirms it saying that sin in its beginning stages doesn't bring death, venial sin, whereas it does in its more mature stages, mortal sin. The point James is making in James 2.10-11 is that we must keep all the commandments in order to avoid incurring the guilt of transgressing the law. We can't say to the Lord on Judgment Day, Lord, I only broke one commandment but kept the other nine. 
So James 2, 10 through 11 is simply a misfire in trying to take down the Catholic belief of mortal and venial sin. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Years ago, when I started acting, modeling, and singing in Mexico, my Catholic faith was not the center of my life. It took me many years to discover that success, fame, money, and all the pleasures of the world were not going to fulfill me. I got to a point in my life where I thought I had everything, but I realized something was missing. Thankfully, I began a faith journey that brought me back to God and the home to the Catholic Church. You can too. Discover more at CatholicsComeHome.com. be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you, praise be to God. Coming up at 35 past the hour, Chris Tomlinson from Breitbart is going to be on. He's got a series of articles over there at Breitbart.com on France. Things are not looking good in France right now. Things are not looking good over there. So we're going to talk to him about those stories. But also, why is Ukraine suppressing the Orthodox? Why is the West putting up with it? Why is the church putting up with it? We're going to have that conversation with Chris Tomlinson from Bybrod at 35 past the hour. Do join us if you can. But I saw an article over at uh, Crisis Magazine from Sarah Kane that I thought was pretty good, actually. Uh, One I think we can all uh, sort of relate to, especially in light of the fact that we are seeing a supposed Catholic president right now fully embrace a perverse notion of what marriages, let alone human sexuality, to the point where to celebrate the redefinition of marriage, which many Republicans, according to Pete Buttigieg, embraced wholeheartedly, uh, he brought in a drag queen to sing and to celebrate. This is pretty perverse. This is Sodom and Gomorrah type stuff. And this means whom do we place our trust in? What are we hoping will happen? Do we think saviors will show up and change all of this and make everything great again. Well, I think Sarah's article, I think, is spot on here. This is what it says. It says, this Advent, it's clear that people surely yearn for a Savior. Who shall it be this time? Is it DeSantis, Trump, Elon Musk, Kanye, or Yee? These are some of the key figures who have garnered dominant attention. As the hunt for a savior takes off, those who have selected their hero simultaneously seek to sully the reputation of any other contenders. Their purest pick must be seen to transcend all others. Whoever is chosen will under-deliver on his promises or his over-promises, having knelt to the coercion of a political game that requires the rebranding of oneself as long-sought savior who will set right all wrongs if only he is elected. It's it's, uh, cyclical. For a short time, it seems clear who each group supports. And then, alas, each would-be savior reveals that he too is human, flawed, and incapable of being the hero that is sought. It's strange that so much political theater should take popular culture during a season such as this, but perhaps it is apt. The world yearns for a savior, even when society has shifted to reorient itself without Christ. For the individual and for communities, the most distinctively ingrained human need is not satisfied. The real yearnings was not bestowed or inspired by popular culture. It was within us. We have a natural desire for God. 
As each contender for the Republican nomination is exposed for his flaws, one can almost hear the collective moan, as if hope is once again extinguished. It's the perilous hope that, with just the right candidate, we could reverse the degenerate tide that is washing throughout our institutions. The enticing promise of this inevitably dashed hope is that we could have a little power in the shaping of our world. After all, without decent candidates, even the most politically aware are left powerless. Doom scrolling through the news seems even more futile when there is no candidate who can offer an election day rescue from the doom that the uh, fundraisers and pundits are announcing. The trouble is that the truth that we are powerless in some sense and uh, we are doomed to despair if we seek hope only in man, the cycle of disappointment and betrayal will be without end. Advent is undoubtedly the time when we must acknowledge our limitations without Christ, who is the only true Savior. Instead, however, there's a mad rush to find a secular answer to a spiritual problem. Only true powerlessness is exposed as twofold, proximate, and remote. The proximate. First, there are the most intimate and tractable issues. Are you in control of yourself? While the initial inclination might be to affirm yes, Only one of us was ever immaculately conceived. For those of us who struggle against original sin and its consequences, we might find ourselves to be at least intermittently ungovernable. We certainly cannot redeem ourselves. Our inner turmoil is mirrored in the social chaos around us. We must surrender to circumstances that are beyond our control. Illness, death, sudden accidents, and the actions of evil or simply inconsiderate people, all take their toll. The remote. Then there's the greater world, elbowing its way into our already turbulent lives with messages of consumerism as the answer to our uh, indulgence and mitigate isolation and degeneracy in place of meaning. Can we shield anyone from the din of depravity? It would be shocking to stumble across a Plan B advertisement while checking the weather forecast, and there are a few limits on what we might be exposed to if we, if we were to navigate a modern mall to seek out a Christmas gift, which is why I never go to them anymore. Thus, we're all terribly without control. We have a natural desire to fix it, or failing that at least to slow it all down so that it is more manageable. The frantic pace of the world that we live in can cause us to feel as if We must forever pivot between catastrophes. Modern Christmas preparations only add to the pressure and the sense of haste. But it's now that we should be slowing down. It's now that we should be slowing down or outright stopping to consider what we ought to be changing about ourselves in preparation for Christ. That's really the only control that we have anyway. It is the freedom to choose to reform ourselves that we may be made worthy of him. Everything else is in question. As we look out at a world of confused genders, sex-laden, family-friendly, air quotes, events, and a political circus sure to worsen our present circumstances, there's no surprise that people feel the need for order and calm. That desire for stillness will be unfulfilled if we seek it in media, entertainment, or politics. 
We've lost our sense of season, our sense of time. It feels like there is no time, but as the demonstrated secular response to the season of Savior seeking is one of repeated extinguished hope, it ought to be clear how much a real Savior is what we need and whom we ought to be preparing for. If not that the secular world does not recognize the meaning of a season of Advent, it does, but the secular world refuses the true Savior. So, for lost souls, the anticipation that Advent represents tragically never ends, and their thirst is never satisfied. It need not be so for us. Sarah Kane over at the uh, Crisis Magazine. I find this very on point here. Too many of us Catholics, too many of us are seeking a Savior in somebody other than our Lord. We may not actually say that out loud. We may, we may not even realize that's what we're doing, but we really hope and pray, and we hold out hope that we can just simply vote better things to come. Now, do we have to vote? Of course, absolutely. We have a, we have a duty. We have a moral obligation, according to the church, to, uh, to exercise our civic duty and to vote. And we ought to. We need to. There's no question in my mind. But I'm not going to hold my breath that simply because we exercise that duty, that things are going to get better. There's only one thing that can make life better. That's our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. His church, the sacraments, the teaching, the patrimony to include, and I think uh, most importantly, the fact that he gives us his mother while he dies on a cross for us, to include all the saints our brothers and sisters in Christ who have gone before us, the great cloud of witnesses before us, this is the solution to the darkness in the world. Not some secular, some secular solution. These things aren't going to change. And what's also fascinating is when you look at, uh, when you look at the commentaries for the Gospels that are placed before us by Holy Mother Church this Advent season, we are in anticipation of the coming of the Christ child. But we are also in anticipation of the coming judgment by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, who comes radiant, resplendent, and with a sword, a two-edged sword, piercing from his mouth to cut between the bone and the marrow to judge the world. It's both and. And the commentaries make that very clear. In fact, this is one of the interesting things. This embassy that gets sent to John, because John is baptizing. And the official authority of the people, the assembly, uh, the ecclesia, send this embassy to say, hey, who are you? And what does John say? I am not the Christ. Okay. Are you the prophet? I am not the prophet. Uh, uh, Okay. Are you Elias? I am not. Well, then what in the world are you doing out here baptizing and preaching? Because these are the things that are supposed to be done by Elias, by the prophet, by the Christ. And you're doing them, and you say you're not him. So what are you doing? And John responds, because they have authority. They have authority, as our Lord would say in Matthew 23. They have authority, so you got to obey them. But don't do what they do, because they will lead you to hell by their example. Because these Jews were looking for an advent, but not the birth one, not not the Christmas version. They didn't realize, apparently, that there was going to be two. First came the Advent in Christmas time, and then comes the Advent, the coming of the Lord in judgment. 
They wanted their enemies vanquished by the judge, but they would not receive the Lord, the baby in the, in the manger, the baby in the womb. They would not receive that one first. And this Advent, we have an opportunity, you and I, to sit back, to look at the world and realize that, yes, we must live here. We must participate in this world. We have to be a part of society and communities. There's no question, but I'm not a citizen of this place. Are you? Is this your home? Is this, is this good enough for you? Is this world good enough for you? Because if it is, you need to reevaluate your priorities this Christmas season. You need to think about where you ought to be seeking, where you ought to be longing for. The heaven, the beatific vision, that is your home. That is where you are built to live and to reign with Christ, to his, mo- his mother, your brothers and sisters, the saints who have gone before you. That is your purpose. That is your mission. That is your longing. And if it is not, if you really hold on to this world, as though this world is good enough and this world will solve all of our problems, you may already be lost. I don't know. We must pray. I may already be lost because how much do I hang on to this world with all my might, hoping and praying that things are just going to work out, that tomorrow's going to be a beautiful day, the sunshine, blue skies, that my kids are going to grow up and have great jobs, have advanced degrees, and have fancy friends. If they don't become saints... Will I have accomplished my mission? I don't know. We place too much trust in the world, the flesh, and the devil, and the people on this world that we think are smart, capable, are fun, engaging, entertaining, talented. Not that they're bad things, but that we give it too much credibility. Only the Lord and his church can save the world. And so our primary mission ought to be to evangelize every soul, irregardless. Saving souls is the only mission. Everything else is just not as important. Hey, we'll be right back. Chris Tomlinson's coming up next. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Christmas Minute. G.K. Chesterton says that it is in the old Christmas carols that date from the Middle Ages that we find not only what makes Christmas poetic and soothing and stately, but what makes it exciting. The exciting quality of Christmas rests upon a great paradox that the power and center of the whole universe may be found in something very small, a baby in a manger. And it's extraordinary to notice how completely this paradox of the manger was lost by the brilliant theologians, but was kept in the Christmas carols. The songs recall the main point of the story, that God once ruled the universe from a stable, and that the hands that made the stars were too small to reach the huge heads of the cattle. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org. Hi, I'm Debbie Giorgiani. And I'm Adam Bly. We're the hosts of The Spirit World every Saturday morning on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Join us as we help answer your questions on angels, demons, and how the physical and spiritual worlds interact. That's The Spirit World from the Station of the Cross studios every Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Central, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. And now, more headlines. 
Catholic news agency reports young martyr known as the Maria Goretti of Brazil has been beatified. Isabel Cristina Campos was 20 year, years old when she was brutal, bu, brutally murdered in 1982 by a man who unsuccessfully tried to rape her. As also happened with St. Maria Goretti, the Italian girl who died defending her virtue and who before dying forgave her murderer. The cardinal who uh, was there at the, at the uh, solemn ceremony then highlighted that since she was a child, Isabel learned the values of the gospel and they took root in her heart. The Cardinal stressed that the example of the new blessed would help us renew our commitment to martyrdom in fidelity to the gospel, conformed to Christ. He continues saying, quote, May your example give us the courage to accept the crosses, the, the suffering, the anguish, and the sorrows of our daily lives. If we are with Jesus, the martyr par excellence, the martyr of martyrs, we have nothing to fear, he emphasized. The Catholic Vote Loop reports largest ever illegal migrant group arrives. A massive border patrol facility in El Paso erected to ensure immigrants were not detained outside has blown past its four-figure capacity, leaving hundreds of people to face near-freezing temperatures outdoors. The news comes after a surge of more than 10,000 non-citizens illegally entered the United States from the Mexican city of Ciudad Juarez in a matter of just a few days, the largest group of illegal migrants ever to arrive in the United States. And those were your headline news this morning. God love you. Praise be to God and all things. Thank you, Rudy, for keeping us up to date. Real quick, before I jump into our conversation, we're giving out a copy, thanks to Sophia Institute Press, of the Holy Mass on Earth as it is in Heaven, this is the Lego book. It is beautifully illustrated, uh, wonderful book from our friend Kevin and Mary O'Neill. And uh, we interviewed him twice on this. We're going to give it out on Friday. Make sure you are in our email list so that you get the details of how you can win your free copy this Christmas. Uh, the Holy Mass on Earth as it is in Heaven. Go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT for the details on signing up for the fear of the insider, not fear, the insider email list. That's grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Joining us now via Zoom chat is Chris Tomlinson, uh, a journalist with Breitbart. And good morning to you, sir. We're grateful for your time. Good morning. Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, praise be to God. You have a series of articles. I want to start with France. On, on France, there seems to be a lot of problems in France these days. And it's not new. It's been around for a long time. But the first one, um, the first one I saw was on religious teachers, over half of them are self-censoring. This seems like they're doing so out of pure fear. What's going on? Yes, yeah, so this was a survey of teachers in France uh, <laughs> regarding talking about secular issues. So France has uh, sort of they have laws about secularism, particularly in uh, the public workforce and in schools and things like that. Um, and a lot of teachers are now afraid to speak about, about some of these issues. So, for example, freedom of speech, freedom of expression, these kind of things, uh, mostly because of the uh, murder of uh, Samuel Petit in uh, October of 2020. Uh, he was beheaded in the streets in the suburbs of Paris by a uh, Chechen refugee uh, radical uh, Islamist who... And this was this came in the fallout of him uh, having a, a class on freedom of expression in which he showed his class uh, images of Muhammad, so uh, cartoons of Muhammad. It wasn't specified which ones, but I'm, I'm fairly sure it was probably the ones uh, published in Charlie Hebdo. But um, 
after that, uh, a lot of teachers now are very sort of wary of speaking on these topics. And so now a lot of them, about, about half, are uh, saying that they self-censor themselves just because they want to avoid any sort of religious protest or any sort of backlash that might come either from the students who might be religious or from their parents. Uh, to a Catholic, this feels shocking because uh, France enjoys the title eldest daughter of the church, and and yet we basically see a lack of of faith and fidelity here. Uh, they should be standing up boldly for the church, and instead they're basically giving themselves over to agnosticism and secularism. 71%, you say, of the teachers say they have had to deal with confronting pupils on the ban on visible religious symbols such as the Islamic veil. So they're running for... For fear. I mean, the other thing is, where are these, where are these uh, attackers coming from? What countries do they come from? Well, a lot of them, uh, you know, the children especially are born in France. Their parents might be born in France as well. These uh, these children might be third generation. Um, a lot of them will have their origins in North Africa, places like Algeria, Morocco, Tunisia. Uh, some of them in uh, parts of Africa as well. Uh, but the vast majority will be from somewhere probably in North Africa, uh, maybe Chechnya as well. Uh, more recently, we've seen uh, more extremist cases from uh, from people from Chechnya, although obviously they're, they're, they're called you know, Russian because they are Russian nationals. But um, the thing is, in, in, in France, there there isn't really as much of a religious fervor uh, in terms of Catholicism as you know there might have been even a hundred years ago. Um, nowadays, a lot of churches are, are either in disuse uh, or are being bulldozed. Um, the, the amount of attacks on churches in France uh, is probably one of the highest in Europe. I think there was an article from a few years ago that said there was an average of three attacks per day wow. on churches in, in France, whether that's vandalism, theft, or you know, people attempting to set churches on fire. Uh, which happens, you know, too regularly in France. Uh, so, yeah, the, this really does come down to Islam um, to a large extent as far as the threats towards teachers go. I'm sure there probably are maybe a handful of cases of some sort of Christian fundamentalists, but I would be hard-pressed to find them, and I haven't personally seen any. In another one of your articles related to France, you said the 2021 report also noted that since 2015, a total of 263 people in France have been murdered during terrorist attacks. Uh, to, to your point just a second ago, you're going to be hard-pressed to find uh, you know, Christians hurting other people, but you're finding tons of reports of these militant Islamists attacking French citizens. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and when you, you break it down, um, you know, those, I think it was something like 95% of the uh, of, or very high number of, uh, of those attacks were, were related to Islam. The, the remaining attacks are generally related to far right extremism, which could have a Christian element to it, but generally doesn't. It's usually people who are neo-Nazis or, or fascists or people that believe in uh, political violence in order to, to solve um, the problems of the world. Uh, and so, like I said, you would be very hard-pressed to find any sort of Christian terrorism, uh, especially anything that's related to any sort of mainstream church, whether that's the Catholic Church or any of the evangelical Protestant churches. Uh, it just it doesn't really exist in France, to be honest. 
You know, Mr. Tomlinson, uh, you mentioned Charlie Hebdo, and there was, uh, you know, a couple of stories regarding this. For those who, who don't know, this Charlie Hebdo, I believe, was an illustrator out of France, you can correct me if I'm wrong, uh, who uh, portrayed Muhammad in, in sort of a comical way. And um, that sparked an attack on him and his office. And um, so we're seeing these sorts of attacks that happen uh, because of uh, religious extremism on the, on, the, on the Muslim side. And I'm wondering, how, uh, how did it come to be that there was uh, so many Muslims coming into, into uh, countries like France? Is there a particular mechanism that you know of, uh, some sort of legislation that has imported uh, en masse a lot of uh, uh, Muslims into this country? Well, so uh, firstly, Charlie Hebdo is uh, a satirical magazine. Uh, it's just the name of the magazine. It's not ah, a specific person. Thank you. Um, and uh, yeah, they published a series of cartoons of the Prophet Muhammad, uh, basically mocking uh, Muhammad and mocking uh, Islam. And that's why in uh, January of 2015, uh, a pair of jihadis, uh, brothers, I believe, um, went in and, and shot, uh, I think, about around a dozen people, 10 to, 10 to 15 around there, and um, which sort of sparked the current wave of radical Islamic terrorism that's been going on um, since January of 2015. And it's been fairly constant up until around this year when there hasn't really been any terror attacks, which is great news. Yeah. Uh, but it's one of the first years um, in, since 2015 where there hasn't really been any major ones. Um, but uh, to your point about why there are many Muslims, uh, there's a, quite a few reasons. One of the reasons is uh, France's historic relationship with Algeria. Algeria used to be a colony of France, and uh, during the Algerian uh, civil wars, a lot of people moved over from Algeria, although there was a lot of people moving over before then as well. Uh, after World War II, uh, France needed workers just as other countries did following the war, and a lot of people came over during those times as well from former French colonies, whether it was Algeria or you know, parts of the Middle East and, and other places. So it's been going on for quite a while. And it's still Algeria is still one of the biggest uh, countries as far as um, immigration to France, along with, you know, French speaking African countries as well. So that there has been a, a large um, number of uh, Muslims moving over for the past maybe 50, 60 years. So now a lot of these people who are committing these terrorist acts tend to be people who are either born in France where their parents are from overseas or sometimes when their grandparents uh, came from overseas and they've radicalized in France rather than coming from somewhere else. Mm. Oh, we're just about up to a network break here, but you reported on uh, seven, seven people, radicalized people have been arrested. Apparently they were looking to carry out another marketplace attack. Yeah, that was in Strasbourg. Uh, so there was a couple of years ago, there was a, an attack on the Christmas market. And in this particular case, uh, the police weren't sure if that was the target, but it was, uh, they were plotting about, a, were arrested about a week before the market opened. So that was seen as probably the main target for it. Oh, uh, hold, and two that, of those... hold that thought. Sorry, Chris. Uh, we're right at a network break. We're going to take about a minute and a half here. We're going to come right back with Chris Tomlinson from Breitbart. We're going to finish up on this point to talk about the crime there, too. France is in a bad way, but also Ukraine. All that's coming up next. 
Hey, Donnie, when we see Christ on the cross, what do we call that? A crucifix. And who said, preach Christ and Him crucified? St. Paul. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Your only daughter met a fine young man who was a committed Mormon. She now wants to join his church. What's your answer? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, a reason for no. Doctrinal positions such as the deity of Jesus and the Trinity. Your reason for yes. You deem seemingly moral character as superseding biblical truth. Secondly, orthodoxy. Your answer is probably no. But how and why? Your resistance to Mormon doctrine does not just come straight down from the Bible. It comes from the first five centuries of brilliant theologians, bishops, and popes. These Catholics wrote, debated, and fought for truth. Example, in 250 AD, 311, and 417, three different popes excommunicated three different heretics, Sibelius, Arius, and Pelagius. They denied the Trinity, the eternal deity of Jesus, or taught that human effort warranted salvation. Would your pastor excommunicate a heretic? Well, unfortunately, your pastor can only remove someone from his local congregation. But that's okay. That guy will probably end up being welcomed in a church down the street. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Coming up at the top of the next hour, we're going to ask the question, if you had to choose only seven books to rebuild the Western civilization, what would you choose? We're going to have that at the top of the next hour. Do join us if you can. But Chris Tomlinson from Breitbart News is our guest you can find his articles over at Breitbart.com. I highly encourage you to do so. We're talking about uh, we're talking about France in this uh, last segment, and uh, you are finishing up the point that they had just arrested some seven radicalized people who are looking at doing yet another marketplace attack. The Christmas market there, Strasbourg. I mean, millions show up to that. That's a big deal. Yeah, absolutely. And it wouldn't, like I said before, it wouldn't be the first time that it has been attacked. It wouldn't be the first time that a Christmas market has been either targeted or attacked by uh, people generally pledged to groups like the Islamic State. Uh, we saw the first attack in Berlin in 2016 when a, a Tunisian illegal immigrant uh, named uh, Anis Omri took a, uh, we stole a, a truck, a semi-truck, and uh, just rammed it through the, uh, through the Christmas market, killing at least a dozen people. Um, we've seen People uh, try to plant bombs in Christmas markets in places like Austria. Um, and I believe that the Islamic State, I could be wrong, but I believe that the Islamic State specifically said for their supporters to target places like Christmas markets um, on purpose. So, you know, it still remains a threat in places, uh, unfortunately. Um, and I, I don't see that sort of thing going away anytime soon. You know, so to kind of put a bow on France here before we move on to talking about Ukraine, um, you also have another article about uh, high crime rates and uh, kids having to be escorted to schools uh, by police and parents because the drugs are out of control and just the depravity of society in certain parts of France are really uh, taking off. And they are as well in other Western countries, the United States being no exception to that. We've talked about that several times in this program but in general, things aren't looking good for France. Is this, I mean, I'm going to ask a sort of an obvious question here, but is this just sensationalism that we're reading, sort of the, just reading the bad parts? Is there anything redeeming about France that we might point out here? Or is France really headed in the uh, in an unrecoverable direction? 
I don't know whether it's unrecoverable, but I, I think, to be honest, it's probably the opposite in the fact that, you know, people in other countries aren't reading enough of what's going in, on in France. I mean, there's, there's so many stories that we don't report on uh, of police being attacked, uh, of, you know, youths going to police stations and attacking them for hours with uh, fireworks and rocks and all sorts of stuff. And these incidents occur at least a, once a week wow. and all over the place in France. Um, we, you have incidents where... Um, what will happen is a gang of youths, usually people related to uh, drug dealing or, or some other type of crime, will set something on fire in order to lure out the police. And when they lure them out, then they ambush them and attack them. Wow. And sometimes these these sort of battles with the police have lasted for hours. Um, and this is, like I said, a fairly regular occurrence. It's not something that we really see in, in other countries uh, that I'm aware of, at least not to, to the scale that we see in France. So I think things are getting pretty bad. And I think today we're going to see probably more riots because anybody who follows the World Cup will know that France is playing Morocco uh, today. And if they've been following the news, they'll know that Moroccan fans have been rioting in various countries, including France, Italy uh, and the UK and elsewhere, pretty much every time that their team has a game, whether they win or lose uh, if they win they'll riot if they lose they'll probably riot even more so we're fully expecting tonight that there's going to be violence on the streets of places like paris Lyon, uh, and other parts of france just because of the world cup and it's just an indication of how unstable france is if something is as little as uh, a football match or a soccer match for for you americans um can can lead to this sort of rioting i mean you have really a society that seems to be on edge mm -hmm. is france's government prepared for this are they are, are they ready to deal with this level of rioting to some extent yes i mean they probably saw worse rioting and more coordinated rioting during the yellow vest protests that happened a couple of years ago uh, so they're definitely prepared in terms of uh, having probably the best riot police in the world because one hobby of French people is to protest and demonstrate and riot. Uh, so that tends to be something that they're very familiar with. So depending on what the scale of it is, it's just going to be assessing the, the damages to local shops and looting and, and that sort of thing. Uh, so what do you think the chances of Morocco winning tonight are? Well, I would like a part of me would like to see them win because France beat England. Uh, <laughs> so I like that, but at the same time, I uh, I think France is a better team. So. Uh, yeah, it's hard to admit, isn't it, publicly? But nonetheless, you did so in great humility. Congratulations! All right, we'll have we'll pray. Hopefully that uh, they 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 don't destroy the place. That would be amazing. But nonetheless, let's switch topics to the Ukraine. Uh, this was a story that did get some press, but uh, surprisingly, everybody seemed to be okay with uh, uh, Zelensky in the Ukraine suppressing the Russian Orthodox Church there. What's the story? Yeah, so earlier this uh, month, Zelensky said that he was going to be banning uh, the activities of any Orthodox churches that were affiliated with Russia which means uh, essentially the Ukrainian Orthodox Church, which still uh, is in communion with the Moscow um, Patriarchate, um, with Patriarch Kirill in, uh, in Moscow. Uh, and so the 
allegations were that parts of the uh, Orthodox Church in Ukraine were either spying for uh, or trying to sabotage Ukrainian armed forces or that they were spouting sort of pro-Russian propaganda in their sermons and homilies and things. Um, I've seen evidence of, of maybe a handful of, of priests who have been accused of these things, but you have to put it in a bit of perspective that the uh, Orthodox Church there has about 12,000 clergy members, about 6,000 monks, and about two or 3,000 nuns. Wow. So the, these are a small minority of people in, in what is, in terms of the clergy, uh, a very large church. But it isn't really that large when it comes to the people who actually go to those churches. Because since the invasion, a lot of people have turned to the uh, to the independent Orthodox Church. And so they've been going there regularly, even though their clergy, uh, I believe they only have about six to 7,000 priests. Um, so when we're talking about this, really we're talking about the effect that it's going to have on the clergy who are, are being uh, banned. Uh, and we don't really know what the extent of this is going to be, whether it's just going to be that you know, they're not going to be allowed to um, have the uh, perform the divine liturgy in their in their churches. Uh, whether they're going to be arrested for doing it, um, whether they're going to be mass arrests of priests uh, and bishops who might be accused of being too pro-Russian, because we've already seen this sort of behavior from Mr. Zelensky before. He's already banned uh, opposition political parties who he declared were too pro-Russian. So this really is just another aspect of that um but it's it's very concerning because like i said even though there might be a handful of people within the within the orthodox church who may have been spouting sort of pro-russia propaganda or whatever this is going to affect at least twelve thousand priests uh, and twelve thousand clergy members i should say um so it is uh very very concerning for all those people who may have being completely politically neutral, but still believed religiously that they should be in communion with Moscow. Uh, the numbers that you mentioned for the Russian Orthodox, were those the ones just in Ukraine? That's that's huge. Yeah, so this was the official uh, Church of Ukraine for, you know, up until a couple of years ago wow. when they split with, uh, or a part of them split with, uh, with Moscow and uh, went with um, the Patriarchate of uh, Constantinople. Um, but not all of the clergy did. Uh, like I said, a very large section of the population, the lay population, uh, went along with uh, with the split and went to the um, independent Orthodox Church. Uh, and only maybe three or four percent of Ukrainians now identify, lay Ukrainians identify with the Russian-linked uh, church. But uh, so there is a popularity um, for what Zelensky is doing, I'm sure, among a large portion of the uh, of the Ukrainian population. Um, and I've had you know, people uh, argue with me about it in, in terms of saying that these people are collaborators and, and whatnot. But I just haven't seen the evidence for widespread um, collaboration uh, between R Russia and between uh, the individual clergy or the monks or the nuns or anybody. Um, usually the argument is that Patriarch Kirill in Moscow told uh, soldiers that they would be released of all of their sins if they died uh, fighting in the war, or if, if they just died in the war in general. You know, it's something that, you know, harkens back to what 
popes and, and bishops were saying during the Crusades, but also actually harkens back to what the Anglican Church was saying during World War One, who also you know, declared that World War One against Germany was a holy war as well. Uh, so we're sort of seeing that sort of rhetoric, and obviously that's not helpful, but uh, they use that as the excuse to say that, uh, well, if they're following Kirill, Kirill is the one who's telling people to become martyrs in, in the war, and it's a war for survival and whatnot. And so that's generally the justification that uh, Zelensky and his supporters are giving for, for placing a ban on uh, for churches affiliated with Russia. Have you seen anything come out of the Vatican on this at all? No, surprisingly uh, not. But uh, from what I've seen of Pope Francis, he's sort of seems to have soured in his uh, attempts to uh, have dialogue with Patriarch Kirill. Um, so I'm not so sure that uh, that the Vatican is is really it's sort of a pressing issue for them at the moment because I I think the relations between uh, Moscow and the Vatican aren't. Uh, the best at the moment anyway. Yeah, didn't seem to go very far. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, it seems interesting that uh, we're, we're seeing a, uh, an acceptance of, of religious suppression at the least, might even turn out to be religious persecution at the best, seems to be Western endorsed. Last thoughts, Chris Tomlinson. Yeah, I think it's really sad because, I mean, you know, as, as an English Catholic, it just makes me think of what happened uh uh, during the Reformation and what that led to uh, when priests were banned from from saying the Mass in, in England, it was made illegal. And what happened to them is, you know, they were martyred and they were killed for doing it. And, you know, praying for the people in Ukraine and praying for those priests who haven't done anything wrong, yeah. that uh, they'll be fine and, and nothing will happen to them. Wow. Chris Tomlinson, Breitbart. Thank you for your time today. We appreciate your insight. Check out Chris's articles. Go to Breitbart.com, and you can find a list of all of his articles. Just search for Chris Tomlinson there. Chris, God bless you. God love you. Have a great day, sir. Thank you. All right, that's going to do it for hour number one. If you can join us in the second hour, I'd like to ask the question, if you could only choose seven books to save the world, what would they be? That and more, plus the game show and prizes coming up next. Otherwise, see you back here tomorrow morning. Planning on shopping online this year for Christmas? Did you know that you can help the Guadalupe Radio Network when you do your Christmas shopping online? All you need to do is shop on Amazon Smile and 0.5% of your purchase goes to the GRN. Just go to AmazonSmile.com and select La Promesa Foundation as your nonprofit of choice. La Promesa is the parent company of Guadalupe Radio. It's that simple to give some extra help to the Guadalupe Radio Network during the holiday season. I had a personal experience that was life-changing for me. My husband of 21 years decided to leave um, our family, me and my girls, and um, in the midst of the absolute horrible heartache, I happened to be flipping through the radio one day on the AM channel because I didn't feel like listening to music, and I happened to find Catholic radio. And ever since then, I have been tuned in religiously, 
and I feel like I have a really, really strong pull to the Catholic faith. The Guadalupe Radio Network would like to thank those listeners who have supported Catholic Radio financially over the years so that we could be there when Terry needed us. If you would like to support your Catholic Radio station, please visit grnonline.com and you can click on the Donate Now button. Again, we sincerely thank you for helping us to be there for Terry and everyone else that needs God's love. There will come a day when each of us will be asked to review the movie of our life and give an account to God. We will sorrowfully relive the bad times and joyfully revisit the good. Thankfully, no matter what you've done, there is hope. Since Jesus came not to condemn the world, but to save it. So if you've been away from church for a while, we invite you to come home and find the peace that only comes from God. Visit CatholicsComeHome.org. Are you on the CDT Insider email list? Hi, Joe McLean here. And every week I send you cool stuff straight to your inbox, goodies that you're not going to want to miss. Go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT and get signed up today. This is the station that the Lord has made. KSHJ, 1430 AM, Houston, Texas. So listen on air and online at grnonline.com. Rejoice and be glad in it. I had one job, France. Eldest daughter of the church. I mean, you had at least one good Catholic king. What happened? And kind of depressing. But Chris Tomlinson over at Breitbart was a great interview last hour. If you missed that conversation, you want to uh, to get the details. He did put out three articles on some of the bad stuff happening in France today. Plus, we talked about Ukraine and the suppression of the Orthodox Church. Catch the podcast version of Catholic Drive Time, which you can do on our website, grnonline.com forward slash cdt. You can find the podcast there. You can listen to it. It'll be available I don't, let, like within an hour of the, the end of the show. The podcast goes live on our website, grnonline.com forward slash cdt. But all of the coolest people, okay, all of the coolest people. Peer pressure. Uh, always leave us five-star reviews on the iTunes store. I mean, it's true. I'm not making it up. Go look for yourself. They are clearly the coolest people. And uh, if you'd like to help us reach a new audience, reach and expand to new people, then the best way to do that is to leave us a five-star review on the iTunes podcast. Uh, you know, just go there, search for Catholic Drive Time. You can leave us five stars. You can still hey, listen. You're like, but I, there's so many things I don't like. Well, then tell us that and they con- leave a comment with your five stars. You could send us an essay if you wanted. You could. It's possible. We'll read it. Yeah. It's the five stars. Just, that but the leave trick. the five stars. Yeah. Because that, that'll get our attention to read it. Yeah, yeah 100%. 100%. <laughs> but if you're really looking for a great way to stay connected and listen to the podcast, another, probably the best way is to download the GRN mobile app. Just search for the Guadalupe Radio Network in your iOS or Android app store, and you'll be able to find it. Download it today. It's free. It's great. You can listen to your local Catholic radio station, your GRN radio station. You can get your local contact information for your GM there, listen to podcasts, get programming information for what's coming up next on the radio dial, all that and more in your Guadalupe Radio Network mobile app. Search for it in your app store today, download it, and then share it with a friend. That would be truly, truly amazing. 
Uh, by the way, uh, this Friday in the CDT Insider email list that I send out every Friday, uh, I'm going to be giving away a copy of the Holy Mass on Earth as it is in Heaven. Last week we gave out Raymond Arroyo's book, the uh, the Wise Men Who Found Christmas. This week we're giving out the Lego book. This is a beautifully illustrated Lego book on the Holy Mass by Kevin and Mary O'Neill, whom we've interviewed. And Sophia has given us a copy to give to one of you. And the way you could win is by getting in on the email list, and I'll send you the instructions this Friday. So uh, if you'd like to get this this Christmas, go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT for the details. You can also sign up to our insider email list via your mobile app, or not your mobile app, but your cell phone. Just pull out your cell phone. You can text to join our email list. You can text the letters G-R-N to the number 42828. That's text G-R-N to the number 42828. That'll also get you in the email list right away. And we also send you a, uh, a talk by Father Bill Casey of the Fathers of Mercy on the State of the Union of the Church. Great talk, by the way. Powerful talk. That'll hit your email, email inbox right away. Just to say thank you for signing up and allowing me to harass you at least once a week in your email inbox. I am truly grateful, but uh, praise be to God. Uh, so I saw an article this morning over at the Imaginative Conservative. Share my desktop there, Adrian. It says, The Seven Pillars of Western Civilization by Joseph Pierce. And uh, it begs the question, if you could only choose seven books to save the world, okay, think, uh, what's your favorite dystopian movie? Uh, uh, the Gospel of Eli, Gospel of, is it Eli? Blade Gospel Runner. Eli? Blade Runner. Chappie. Uh, Chappie, yeah. I saw that recently, actually. <laughs> uh, was it not Chappie? What was the, the Tom Hanks robot film? Was that Chappie? iRobot? Uh, maybe it's iRobot. I don't remember. Tom Hanks robot. It just came out like it was like an Apple Plus film. Came out a couple, not long ago. But anyway, your favorite. You think about your favorite dystopian film, Finch. Like The Road. How about The Road? The Road, which I don't recommend at all. It's horrible. Horrible. And I want to emphasize that with that. Are you French now? Very bad. It's just so just so dark. I just hated that film. But nonetheless, is that your father Mitch Paco impression? All of these dystopian films have the same thing. You got to have like, it's like one little ember at the very end of the film to, to rebuild all of humanity. Mm. So if, put yourself in that scenario. Okay. And you can only choose seven books. And for this reason, I pick the Harry Potter series. I all of a sudden believe in cancels, canceling and censorship. You know what? The road isn't so bad. No, the road, the book is really good. No, it's not. It is. It is dark. It's a classic father-son tale of cannibalism. Yeah, it's pretty bad. bad. It's kind of funny. After Joe was like railing against the Mm -hmm. road Mm -hmm. the other day, Mm -hmm. uh, someone had recommended it to me immediately afterwards, (laughs) and I was like, "Interesting." I recommend Uh, you read it. It's a short read. Uh huh. Okay. So it is a little bleak. All right. So what would you choose if you could choose seven books? What would be on your list? Well, I'd pick the four Gospels. So that's four. Okay. Uh, what else? Got three choices here. Only the four Gospels. You would, you would get rid of the entire rest of the Bible. What are you, Protestant? I mean, you're just <laughs> cutting stuff out. Bye. Uh, you're only going to keep. It's the easier Gospels. to carry, man. You, oh. you, know, you, you keep it in the little tiny little instead of 
three by five book. So why not upgrade and just go with the Bible as one choice? The now Bible. you've got six oh. more to go with. Wow. That's cheating. <laughs> no, it's not. It's a lot of books in one book. If we can count, if we can count collection of books, can I just choose the Encyclopedia Britannica? <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> that's one. Now that's I think one. we are cheating. I think we actually are cheating. Oh, okay. Because like, when's the last time you had the Gospel as a standalone book? What I mean, if I got like I do the great, the great book series? <laughs> and it's like the, the, so the 50 volume set of the great books. Well, you that's can one only book, right? you can only choose seven of those great books. Oh, okay. okay. What, what are you on the hook for there? Um, well, I would choose the Bible, obviously. Okay. Uh, the Summa Theologiae, unless uh-huh. that's cheating. Um, I would definitely. I probably would get a Roman Missal. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Uh, yeah. Probably. Uh, I'd probably get a Roman Missal. And then let's see. That's what three. The the mystical city of God. Ooh. Why Venerable Mary of Agreda, uh-huh. which that's excellent, which I mean, honestly, that that could replace the Bible. I'm just kidding. It's a joke. Ouch. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and let's see the probably the fundamentals of Catholic dogma by Ludovic Ott. Wow. That or the Catechism of the Council of Trent, <laughs> one or the other. Uh, but only one of those, not both. Yeah, you gotta and choose. See. You gotta make choices. And I guess some fiction. It would be good to have some fiction. Would it? The Divine Comedy. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. Unless that, mm-hmm. unless I can only choose one of the Divine Comedy, I don't know. Does that count as one as well? <laughs> the it's a, it gets gets it gets uh, sketchy. Author's intent. You've got to get to the author's intent mm. to understand the rules of this game. And I, I already saw your list, but uh, <laughs> I, yeah, I know I already saw your list. Okay. But uh, the Iliad and the Odyssey are, are great options. Okay. That, those would be mm-hmm. probably that would be a mm-hmm. seven. They'll probably round it out. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Uh, you didn't mention Tolkien. You didn't mention yes. G.K. Chesterton. That's too yes. easy. That's like That's on the okay. nose, you know? You didn't mention Shakespeare. You didn't mention uh, who else? Well, if you're going to choose Shakespeare, what would you mm-hmm. choose? Yes. Next question. Yeah, good. <laughs> I, good. You, can, you can't choose all of Shakespeare. Uh, see, so I obviously... Unless I can get the, the complete works of William Shakespeare, favor. which is one book. I have it in my room. Okay. Does mm-hmm. that count? Maybe. If that counts, then I would take that. Romeo and Juliet, for sure. Romeo and really? Juliet? Yeah. Not it's Macbeth. Good. I like it. You would, I, I would wouldn't. choose Macbeth over Romeo and Juliet. I don't know. If man. I could only choose one work yeah. of Shakespeare? Yeah. Hamlet. Caesar. Hamlet. Caesar. Hamlet's uh, the, it's the, it's the greatest of the Shakespeare plays. I don't know, bro. Macbeth is also nine hours long. But. It's also nine hours long. I don't know. Maybe I have a bias since I had to memorize parts of We uh, have to find Caesar the milk of human kindness. Okay. So, all right. So, uh, this is the deal here. So, Joseph Pierce wrote this article, The Seven Pillars of Western Civilization, and this is posted over at the Imaginative Conservative. And I found it fascinating because recently my, my daughter has a super fascination with all things Joseph Pierce. She loves his books, reads them voraciously, and she got a book uh, from Joseph Pierce recently that included his list of all, like, his like have-to-read books in your life. And she wrote her version, which is like four pages long. And uh, so when I saw this this morning, I thought, oh, seven. Now, this is manageable. We could, we could get to this. So this is what uh, Joseph said. He said, this past week, I gave a lecture on why Shakespeare matters at Colorado Christian University. In the dinner prior to the talk, the president of the university asked me to name what I consider to be the six foundational texts of Western civilization scurrying and scrambling to pull from the top of my head six titles that could possibly fit the bill, I thought that such an exercise might provide inspiration for a thought-provoking essay. 
uh, permitting myself a little poetic license or literary leeway, I have allowed myself seven texts, not six, with an appropriate deferential nod to T.E. Lawrence here, are what I consider to be the seven pillars of wisdom on which Western civilization is built. But I take that a step further and say uh, to rebuild uh, Western civilization. So here's the seven books that Joseph Pierce chose. Coming in at number one, or should I count down? Should I count backwards? I don't think it's in any order. Oh, you don't think he's prioritized? No, I don't think so. Some you got to choose number one. I was I was looking at it, and okay. if he did it prioritizing, mm-hmm. he put the Bible like in the middle. So, ouch! <laughs> All right, I'll just read number one. He's got the Iliad, which means number two is the Odyssey. He says Homer's epic narratives deserve preeminence on their way on their own literary merit, but also for the influence that they've exerted in the three millennia since they were written. So, Iliad and Odyssey coming in at number one and number two. Uh, Rudy, have you read either of those? Uh, I've read the Odyssey. You've read the Odyssey, yeah. Of course, we've had a long that. time ago. Yeah, like in high school, you had to go I through this I, stuff. I think I read that in middle school. Yeah. Um, all right, number three, he's got the Holy Bible. So he collect, he's got the whole Holy Bible, unlike some who would only choose <laughs> pick and choose certain books, like I mean, say Martin Luther, for instance. Oh, Saint Martin oh. Luther. You know, uh, he chose Joseph Pierce chose the entire Bible. All of the books, not some of the books. St. Mm. Dominic used to carry around mm. the... I Which think translation? It, I think though? it was Gospel of Matthew, and then two of the letters of St. Mm. Paul, and that was it. That's all he carried. Huh. Uh, Pierce says, uh, the absence of the Holy Bible from this list would uh, remove the very heart from Western civilization. Well, well put, good sir. Well put. So, uh, all right. So we're at the Iliad, the Odyssey, and the Holy Bible. Coming in at number four, he's got Virgil's epic about the foundation of Rome itself, the Aeneid. Have you ever read the Aeneid? You have. I read it in college. Is, is it good? Yeah, it's really good. Page turn? I actually think it's, um, it was, to be fair, I read the Odyssey in high school, so it may not be a good representation of my reading ability. Okay. But uh, <laughs> I, I, I like the Aeneid far more than I like the Odyssey. Really? But, however, I, mm-hmm. I did read them like, I read the Aeneid like six years after I read the Odyssey. Oh, so. okay. All right. So Aeneid. Uh, coming in at number five, the great St. Augustine, hmm. uh, or some would say Augustine. Uh, has his magnum opus, The City of God. Okay. Now, I've read book one of The City of God. Great stuff. I need to finish. It's, but it's huge. It's too big. It's massive. <sighs> I, I've only read excerpts of The City of God. I've read The uh, Confessions like a dozen times. Yeah. But um, The City of God, never read it all the way through. Confessions is a page turner. City of God's Honestly, harder to get through. I'm not a huge fan of Confessions, to be honest. No? No. No? <laughs> Are you Catholic? I'm just curious. Just, That's what everybody I should have asked me. this question at the interview. <laughs> anyway, all right, so City of God is number five. Number six, he says the penultimate pillar is that the other edifice of Christian theology and philosophy? The Summa Theologica by Thomas Aquinas. Of course. Of course. It's also a collection. So he's also cheating. Here. If you if you were uh, if there mm-hmm. was not the Summa on the mm-hmm. list as a option, mm-hmm. like you are not allowed to choose a Summa. What would replace it? Uh, Cornelius Lapidus' commentary on the Bible. Interesting. Interesting. Choice. All of it? All of it. See, I, I, I would multi-volume, brother. I, I, or I cheating. Like, but I, <laughs> that's a good I like cheat. the commentaries of the Cornelius Lapidus. Yeah. However, I don't know if it could replace the Summa Theologiae because it's mm-hmm. not the same content. Maybe uh, the Catechism of the Council of Trent mm-hmm. or something like that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, all right. Coming in at number seven. Last book on uh, the hit list. The top seven books to save Western civilization by Joseph Pierce, Dante's Divine Comedy. So good. A work which brings together the Homeric 
and Virgilian muses and baptizes them in the living waters of Thomistic theology and philosophy. Mm. Dante's Divine Comedy. I heard rumor that Dante was actually a third order Dominican. Really? I don't know if that's true. I've heard I, that, I have heard that. Maybe I heard that from you. I might have been, you might have been the source <laughs> I, for me. I asked that. Dr. Aquila that question, uh-huh. and Dr. Aquila, who is the hugest fan of, he of is, Dante, the, yeah, he reads the uh, the comedy every year. Uh, I'm in, sure, in Italian. I'm pretty sure he's got uh, Dante till I die tattooed probably, in old probably. English letters on his back. He said he thinks don't, don't that Dante me. was a third order Franciscan. Ooh. So there's conflicting information now. Conflicting. I don't know. Maybe we need to have a. A face-off, an arm wrestling match, or something along those lines to uh, solve that equation. But nonetheless, let's uh, go to the game show. That's coming up next. If you would like to win prizes, well, now's your chance. A family heirloom rosary could be yours. What you need to do is call right now and be our first caller on the phone to play the game. 877-757-9424. We'll be right back. Fear and trembling is up next. Why do Protestants not believe John 6 when it says that Jesus' flesh is real food and that his blood is real drink? I don't know. In Matthew 26, Mark 14, and Luke 22, Jesus says of the bread, this is my body. He says of the wine, this is my blood. Not this is symbolic of or this represents. He says this is. In John 6, he repeats himself like he does nowhere else in Scripture to emphasize the fact that he expects us to eat his flesh and drink his blood and that his flesh is real food and that his blood is real drink. Anyone who says he is speaking symbolically and not literally simply is refusing to look at all the facts. Fact number one, the Jews took him literally. We see that in verse 52. Fact number two, his disciples took him literally. We see that in verse 60. Fact number three, the apostles took him literally. Verses 67 to 69. If everyone who heard him speak at the time took him literally, then my question is, why does anyone today, 2,000 years after the fact, take him symbolically? Also, in verse 51 of John 6, Jesus says that the bread which he will give for the life of the world is his flesh. When did he give his flesh for the life of the world? On the cross. Was that symbolic? If you think Jesus is speaking symbolically here when he says that we must eat his flesh and drink his blood, then you must also conclude that Jesus' death on the cross was only symbolic. It wasn't really Jesus hanging up there. It was symbolic flesh and symbolic blood. Jesus is clearly talking about the flesh that he gave for the life of the world. He did that on the cross. Those who believe he is talking symbolically here in John 6 have a real problem when it comes to John 6, verse 51. Did Jesus give us his real flesh and blood for the life of the world? Or was it only his symbolic flesh and blood? A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. (laughs) The Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling, a Catholic trivia game good, show dude? with secrets and agendas that you can't tell anybody. All right. 
So there's some things we do on the download here. We just don't like to tell people. But number one, if you promise not to share this, uh, we'd like to teach the faith. So we look for teachable moments in the questions where you might learn something you didn't know before. I mean, and today, there's, there's, there's one thing. There's at least one thing you're going to learn today you didn't know before, and you're going to have bragging rights. Praise be to God. Then we like to laugh. We like to have a good time, a chuckle, and our callers are morally obligated to laugh at our jokes, and which makes it a winner for us. Praise be to Jesus. And then, of course, we give out prizes, which means this is a winner for everybody because you could learn, you could laugh, and you could win. The kicker, the secret sauce, and all of it is we don't ask the caller the questions, at least not directly, okay, because they don't need to know the answers and could win the game. I'll ask Rudy. I'll ask Adrian, one of which will have a correct answer. The other will have an incorrect answer. The caller will then have 15 seconds on the clock to make a decision. Whomst do they trust more? And then when they get that right, they go into the coffee cup at Divine Providence to win this week's prize. Rudy, what could they win? Praise be to God. This week we have an heirloom quality rosary. If Mm. you're watching us Mm. on our live feeds, I'm going to hold it up to the camera and you're going to be able Mm. to see it. Mm. Now, what makes this such a special rosary? It was handcrafted by one of our good friends, Damon, and I think his father, who individually made each link of this rosary. Wow. Not only that, but it's made out of hematite, two types of hematite. It is such a beautiful rosary, wonderful crucifix, great corpus on the crucifix here. It's got a fantastic heft to it. And I don't say this very much about anything these days because, you know, let's be honest, everything's mass produced. This is heirloom quality. And so whoever wins this rosary this week, please offer up a couple of rosaries for Damon's family because this is incredible. And I just want to say thank you again, Damon, for providing this rosary for us to give away on Fear and Trembling this Amen. week. Amen. Praise be to God. Now, Rudy, I, I can't help but notice I'm having some flashbacks here just uh, looking at you. Oh, yeah? Uh, I To Vietnam? Well, no, I was going to say the 80s. To the uh, 80s? So like 1986 in particular, uh, when the movie, if I had to only choose one movie to save Western civilization, of course it would be Top Gun, the 1986 uh, version. Yes. Uh, which Makes kicked sense. off the craze of the leather bomber jacket. Whew. Uh, I would have and, chosen Conan uh, the Barbarian. You're not even, not even not wearing a tie, but you, you have a leather bomber jacket on today. You got like a pilot. Are you a pilot? Just, I can neither confirm nor deny that. Were you a fighter pilot? Were you ever in an inverted position with a MiG-28 in a <laughs> negative dive, <laughs> negative G dive? Or like, what were you, mm, uh, what were you doing there? Just curious. All I can say mm. is that it's reverse engineered uh-huh. and it's disc shaped. So it, that's all I can say. Very, I, I don't know. That's no, that's the twenty. Maybe that's too much. That's the twenty twenty one Top Gun you're referring to, not the. 1986. At any rate, let's go to the phones. Jonah, good morning to you. Jonah, are you there? Good morning. Praise be to God, Jonah. Uh, Is this Jonah from the Burrier clan? Yes, it is. Well, good morning, Burrier clan. How are you? Jonah, are you there? We're having the... (laughs) I I don't know if we're losing you or not, Jonah. Is, uh, Is your connection okay there, good sir? They're just quiet. Yes, that was my sister. Oh, sisters. Good grief. You can't take them anywhere, can you? <laughs> All right. No, not really. <laughs> yeah. No, not really. <laughs> All right. Uh, I, I, I hear that you hail from Berverde, Bull Verde, a beautiful part of the uh, state of Texas. And I know that you are, you are an expert in this game. Are you ready, good Jonah? Yes, sir. Let's start with Rudy. Uh, Rudy? 
bomber jacket and all. Is that real leather, by the way? 100% real leather. I... I hinted, like from here. I hinted that I would tell you the story behind this. Maybe I'll get in into it after show. In the Let's after show. Let's do the after show. All right. In, in the meantime, can you tell me who is the patron saint of nail makers? Nail makers. Okay. Yes. So people like uh, with a forge, uh, St. Cloud. St. Cloud. Yes. Is he from Minneapolis? I'm just curious. Uh, he kind of hovers there sometimes. Does he? Yeah. St. Saint Cloud. Is that legit? Thank God. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's just see what see what Adrian says. Adrian, uh, uh, I hear you do nails on occasion. Can oh. you tell me who is the <laughs> patron saint of nail makers? Yes, that would actually be Saint Christopher. Really? Yes. Of nail makers. Yes. Christopher the River Crosser? No. Different Christopher. Yeah, different Christopher. I got it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Jonah, hopefully you're an expert in saints here because Adrian says the patron saint of nail makers was St. Christopher, whereas Rudy says it's St. Cloud. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? What say you, Jonah, in Bull Verde? Um, I'm going to have to go with Adrian. No, go the other way. Say Rudy. Rudy. Oh, I heard Rudy. <laughs> I, I, I heard, do you heard? I heard Rudy. I heard Rudy. St. Cloud is St. Cloud real? It's got to be real. Yeah, he's real. <laughs> yeah. Like I never heard. I never heard of St. Cloud. You have to get the backstory on that one in the after show. Congratulations, Jonah. St. Uh, Cloud was the correct answer. St. Christopher was not. No, I was thinking St. Christopher Columbus, who's not a saint yet. Uh, nor but. is he known for nails. <laughs> but he had nails didn't he probably uh-huh. he probably had nails in the boat st cloud minnesota it's probably saint. named after st cloud yeah i'm guessing that's why i'm entering it <laughs> all right let's go to the second question i'm going to say this is arguably the hardest question we have ever asked in the history of trivia games Just going back all the way to the foundational beginning this is of easy trivia games this is the easiest question which ever took place in genesis chapter 3 by the way mm. so take that into consideration uh, Adrian, can you tell me what is the term given to a marriage that was invalid but was con- contracted in good faith by at least one member? Yes, that would be a putative marriage. Putative meaning commonly accepted. So a putative marriage. A putative marriage, you say. Sounds mm-hmm. very formal. Uh, let's see what a, uh, Rudy has to say. Rudy, can you tell me? What is the term given to a marriage that was invalid but was contracted in good faith by at least one of the two members? Many such cases, uh, but that's colloquially known as a ball and chain marriage. Really? Yeah, because one of them Mm. is the ball and chain. Oh, I see. One of them is named a ball and chain. Gee, I wonder which one. Um, all right, Jonah, you got options here. This is a tough one, but what is the term given to a marriage that was invalid but was contracted in good faith by at least one of the members? Uh, Adrian says that's called the, or no, forgive me, I should start over. Rudy says that was called the ball and chain marriage, whereas Adrian says it's the putative marriage. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Jonah, what say you? Adrian. You, you, you just, you just, you just, you just, you just, you just, 
kind of say way to go, Jonah. You're just gonna say Adrian, I would say huh? it, that going it's, with Adrian makes you younger, mm, but it doesn't mm-hmm. for you in your case. <laughs> it actually makes you more mature, <laughs> makes you smarter, wiser, taller. Yes, um, taller. I've heard all, all these this. things. This uh, is all this is all backed by the science. Sure. It makes you run faster. It, yeah, it's true. Feels like fake it's news, true. Jonah. I'm gonna be honest with you. This okay, is, this is verifiable. You got to trust the science. I'm gonna get Elon to uh, censor all of this information. I'm just, okay, Jonah. You are correct, of course. <laughs> yes. By de facto, Adrian's also correct. But nonetheless, one should never admit that publicly with such great confidence. A putative marriage is the correct answer. You're in the cup for two, Jonah. Are you ready for the last? And I would argue argue the easiest question. Oh, this is the hardest question we've ever had. You see what I'm saying, Jonah, by the history <laughs> see of hard questions? Going. This is the hardest one. Jonah. I think Adrian's trying to trick me. I, what? <laughs> no. Oh, I would never. True. So I would wise. never. Hashtag truth Bombs. I have. I, I. It's been at least twenty four hours since I tried to trick anybody. <laughs> All right, let's get on with it. Uh, we're gonna go to Rudy. Rudy, what are the first class relics? Well, way to go, uh, Joe. You gave it away at the start of the show. I did. Talking about pilots. Oh, whoa. Because these relics are particularly from pilots. What? You know, first class being the ah, most top end not of, of class. The, no, first class, exactly. God, specifically so. to pilots. I see. They're all. It's all about pilots. Pilotage. Yeah, wow. That's why there's so so little of these relics. Okay. All right, let's see what Adrian says. Adrian, you're a first class act. Uh, at least that's what it says on Twitter in your description there. But could you tell me what are the first class relics? Ah, uh, yes. First class relics are parts of the saints body so like really? st thomas's sister awkward. he broke into her uh, his tomb and chopped his thumb off was like i want a first class relic very awkward yeah uh, it happens what brother takes his my sister's, sister's probably gonna do that to me she's gonna uh, take my thumb now i tried to take parts of my sister but she wasn't dead yet that was the downside <laughs> all right <laughs> what are the first class relics are they parts of saints of their actual bodies as adrian suggests or are they particular to pilots like pilotologies as Rudy wants us to believe. 15 seconds, Jonah. Who's right? Who's wrong? What say you, good sir? Adrian. Oh, there you go. You go again, <laughs> Wiser, more mature, Jonah. smarter. You're a veteran at this. Tall, you should know fast. better. You All are correct, things. though. You are correct. Adrian is also right here. It's the parts of the saint's bodies. Mm. Mm-hmm. Although, according to Father Carlos Martins, there's no real such thing as first, second, or third class relics. He says, these are distinctions we make. They aren't technically true. But nonetheless, parts of bodies. Do you have a part of a saint's body in your house? Yeah, I do. All right, Jonah. God bless you. Thanks for having a good time. We're going to put you, you on hold. But that's going to do it for the radio side. We'll see you in the after show. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. 
from Our Lady of Corpus Christi, home of the SALT community. For more information, visit salt.net or ourladyofcorpuschristi.org. Today we celebrate the Memorial of St. John of the Cross. This holy sacrifice of the Mass is being offered for all those listening in on the Guadalupe Radio Network and all of our online viewers. Please join in singing our opening song on Jordan's Bank, The Baptist Cry. On Jordan's bank the Baptist's cry announces that the Lord is nigh. Awake and hearken, for he brings glad tidings of the King of Kings. Then cleansed be every breast from sin, make straight the way of God within. Prepare the way in hearts a home where such a mighty guest may come. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with your spirit. Let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts, in my words, in what I have done, and what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Kyrie eleison Kyrie eleison Christe Let us pray. O God, who gave the priest St. John an outstanding dedication to perfect self-denial and love of the cross, Grant that by imitating him closely at all times, we may come to contemplate eternally your glory through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. Reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. I am the Lord, there is no other. I form the light and create the darkness. I make well-being and create woe. I, the Lord, do all these things. Let justice descend, O heavens, like dew from above. Let gentle rain, let the skies drop it down. Let the earth open and salvation bud forth. Let justice also spring up. I, the Lord, have created this. 
For thus says the Lord, the creator of the heavens, who is God, the designer and maker of the earth, who established it, not creating it to be a waste, but designing it to be lived in. I am the Lord, and there is no other. Who announced this from the beginning, and foretold it from of old? Was it not I, the Lord, besides whom there is no other God? There is no just and saving God but me. Turn to me and be safe, all you ends of the earth. For I am God, there is no other. By myself I swear, uttering my just decree and my unalterable word. To me every knee shall bend, by me every tongue shall swear, saying only in the Lord are just deeds and power. Before him in shame shall come all who vent their anger against him. In the Lord shall be the vindication and the glory of all the descendants of Israel. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let the clouds rain down the just one, and the earth bring forth a savior. Let the clouds rain down the just one, and the earth bring forth a savior. I will hear what God proclaims, the Lord, for he proclaims peace to his people. Near indeed is his salvation to those who fear him. Glory dwelling in our land. Let the clouds rain down the just one, and the earth bring forth a savior. Kindness and truth shall meet. Justice and peace shall kiss. Truth shall spring out of the earth, and justice shall look down from heaven. Let, Let the, clouds the clouds rain down the just one, and the earth bring forth a savior. The Lord himself will give his benefits. Our land shall yield its increase. Justice shall walk before him, and salvation along the way of his steps. Let the clouds rain down the just one, and the earth bring forth a savior. Alleluia, 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 Alleluia. Raise your voice and tell the good news. Behold, the Lord God comes with power. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Great crowds were traveling with Jesus, and he turned and addressed them. If anyone comes to me without hating his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Which of you wishing to construct a tower does not first sit down and calculate the cost to see if there is enough for its completion? Otherwise, after laying the foundation and finding himself unable to finish the work, the onlooker should laugh at him and say, This one began to build, but did not have the resources to finish. Or what king marching into battle would not first sit down and decide whether with 10,000 troops he can successfully oppose another king 
advancing upon him with 20,000 troops. But if not, while he is still far away, he will send a delegation to ask for peace terms. In the same way, every one of you who does not renounce all his possessions cannot be my disciple. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. In the Gospel for today, taken from the proper of St. John of the Cross, it's clear in this doctrine of the cross that St. John espoused and taught that comes directly from our Lord himself. That Jesus said that you have to, you cannot be attached to anything and practice true love of God and of neighbor in the right way. You have to be, you have to let go of everything, even the things that you hold most dear, even your very own life. Not just your, your spouse or your children or your possessions, but your very own soul does not even belong to you. It belongs to God. And once you recognize the complete holiness of God and the holiness of charity, of, of real love, it is at that moment that you can make that renunciation. St. John of the Cross, to kind of summarize this doctrine in the most practical way, wrote a letter, in his three-page letter, it's very, very worth reading. Uh, he gives a practice. If you want to grow quickly in holiness, uh, live in the monastery as if you are the only one in it. In other words, don't be attached to all of the juicy gossip and all the things that are happening to this person or that person. And then he says this, if you, at any given moment during the day, use that moment to renounce your own will and your own attachments. If, if offered fruit, find the piece of fruit that is the least, the least agreeable. If you're going to have a seat in the car or the bus, find the seat that is the mo least comfortable. If you're going to take a posture in a room or in a society, take the posture of the one that is the least desirable. Always go lower. And that way, the, the more you decrease, the more you allow God to increase. And as St. Paul, in his first chapter, or his second, sixth chapter of Corinthians, first letter of Corinthians, he said, have all things as though you did not have them. Mourn if you, as if you were not mourning. Even your emotional life, you can be detached from your very own emotions. Now, what's the, the use of this? Well, the truth is that because you become detached, you allow the love of God to be the most in you. You make room, as St. John the Baptist said, make straight the way of the Lord. You fill in all of the valleys and you level all of the mountains so that Jesus Christ can be all in you. And if this way, if you practice this, Jesus will be born in your heart in a new way come Christmas. And that in the poverty of your own human condition, Jesus will be born as if he was born in the poverty of the stable with the manger and the animals and, the, and all of the coldness and the rejection that he faced amidst the coldness and rejection of our own hearts, that Christ would truly, authentically be born. 
May the prayers of our Blessed Mother Mary and the Holy Doctor of the Church, St. John of the Cross, pray for this, that the Church may be open, detached, and available to, for Christ to be born once again. Let us bring our petitions to the Lord. We pray for the whole Church, that it may shine forth the holiness of Jesus Christ to the nations. For this we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for our Holy Father, O bishops and priests. We pray for the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for our government leaders, for an end to abortion, same-sex unions, gender confusion, and human trafficking. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for the sick, the suffering, the poor, and that we may see Jesus in his distressing disguise. For this we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. And we pray for all of our beloved dead, that they may enter the fullness of our eternal Father's glory. For this we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Heavenly Father, we ask you to hear us, for we make these and all our petitions in the holy name of Jesus Christ, and through the powerful intercession of our Mother Mary, as we pray together. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Please join in singing our offertory song, Waiting in Silence. Waiting in silence, waiting in hope. We are your people, we long for you, Lord. God ever with us, Emmanuel. Come, Lord Jesus, Maranatha. Waiting in silence, waiting in hope. We are your people, we trust in your love. O Son of Justice, true Prince of Peace, come with your justice, Lord Maranatha. Waiting in silence, waiting in hope. We are your people, Lord, we seek your truth. Wisdom incarnate, teach us your way. Show us the path of life, Maranatha. Pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. May the Lord accept the sacrifice at your hands for the praise and glory of his name, for our good and the good of all his holy church. Look upon the sacrificial gifts we offer, Almighty God, in commemoration of St. John of the Cross, and grant that we who celebrate the mysteries of the Lord's Passion may imitate what we now enact through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks, Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God, through Christ our Lord. For he assumed at his first coming the lowliness of human flesh, and so fulfilled the design you formed long ago, 
and open for us the way to eternal salvation, that when he comes again in glory and majesty, and all is at last made manifest, we who watch for that day may inherit the great promise in which we now dare to hope. And so with angels and archangels, with thrones and dominions, and with all the hosts and powers of heaven, we sing the hymn of your glory, as without end we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth, Plenis Uncelli et Terra, Gloria Tua, Hosanna in excelsis, Benedictus, qui venit in nomine Domini, Hosanna in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, and all you have created rightly gives you praise. For through your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, by the power and working of the Holy Spirit, you give life to all things and make them holy, and you never cease to gather a people to yourself, so that from the rising of the sun to its setting, a pure sacrifice may be offered to your name. Therefore, O Lord, we humbly implore you, by the same Spirit, graciously make holy these gifts we have brought to you for consecration, that they may become the body and blood of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, at whose command we celebrate these mysteries. For on the night he was betrayed, he himself took bread, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, broke the bread, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, and gave the chalice to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. mystery of faith. We proclaim your death, O Lord, and, and profess your resurrection until you come again. Therefore, O Lord, as we celebrate the memorial of the saving passion of your Son, his wondrous resurrection and ascension into heaven, and as we look forward to his second coming, we offer you in thanksgiving this holy and living sacrifice. Look, we pray, on the relation of your church and recognizing the sacrificial victim by whose death you will to reconcile us to yourself. Grant that we who are nourished by the body and blood of your Son and filled with his Holy Spirit may become one body, one spirit in Christ. May he make of us an eternal offering to you so that we might obtain an inheritance with your elect, especially with the most blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, Blessed Joseph, her spouse, with your blessed apostles and glorious martyrs, with St. John of the Cross, 
and with all the saints on whose constant intercession in your presence we rely for unfailing help. May this sacrifice of our reconciliation, we pray, O Lord, advance the peace and salvation of all the world. Be pleased to confirm in faith and charity your pilgrim church on earth with your servant, Francis our Pope, Michael our Bishop, the Order of Bishops, all the clergy, and the entire people you have gained for your own. Listen graciously to the prayers of this family, whom you summon before you in your compassion, O merciful Father. Gather to yourself all your children scattered throughout the world, to our departed brothers and sisters, and to all who are pleasing to you at their passing from this life. Give kind admittance to your kingdom. There we hope to enjoy forever the fullness of your glory, through Christ our Lord, through whom you bestow on the world all that is good. Roho him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. Preceptis salutaribus moniti, et divin institutioni formati, audemus dicere, Pater Noster, qui es in celis, sanctifice tuur nomen tuum, adveniat regnum tuum, fiat voluntas tua, sicut in celo et in terra, panem nostrum quotidianum, dan nobis hodie, et dimite nobis demita nostra, Secut ad nos dimitimus, debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationem, sed libera nos amahalo. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity, in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And with your spirit. Let us offer each other the sign of peace. Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, Qui tolis peccata mundi, dona nobis pacem. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those who are called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, Lord I, am I am not worthy, worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only and say the word and my soul shall be healed.
communion antiphon. Whoever wishes to come after me must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me, says the Lord. For those who cannot receive sacramental Holy Communion at this time, we pray the act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. O Jesus, we adore Thee, who in Thy love divine conceal Thy mighty Godhead in forms of bread and wine. O sacrament most holy, O sacrament divine, all praise and all thanksgiving be every moment thine. O Jesus, we adore thee, our victim and our priest whose precious blood and body become our sacred feast. O sacrament most holy, O sacrament divine, all praise and all thanksgiving be every moment thine. Let us pray. O God, who in St. John have wonderfully made known the mystery of the cross, Graciously grant that drawing strength from this sacrifice, we may cling faithfully to Christ and labor in the church for the salvation of all. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in the peace of Christ. Thanks be to God. Please join in singing, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appear. Rejoice, rejoice, 
The Prayer to St. Michael St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg Thee through the intercession and help of the Archangels St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Celebrating the culture of life, this is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Hi, I'm Omar. And I'm Natalia. And we attend Our Lady of 